On today's episode, I will be critiquing Jillian Michaels' weight loss philosophy. Welcome to the Calorie Conundrum Podcast with Coach Strick. Join us as we expand the weight loss conversation to beyond just calories and dare to ask the question, why does eating less and exercising more sometimes not produce the desired results? Here's Coach Strick to discuss this calorie conundrum. Hello and welcome to the Calorie Conundrum Podcast. This is Coach Strick. And on today's episode, I will be critiquing Jillian Michaels' YouTube video titled, why calorie counting is the safest way to lose weight. I think it is important to point out that at the time of this recording, that video has over 350,000 views and is one of Jillian's most viewed videos on YouTube. If you listen to episode one of the Calorie Conundrum podcast, then you already know that listening to Jillian Michaels' podcast over a decade ago was one of the initial sparks of inspiration that made me want to start this podcast. After listening to her podcast, working with people, and conducting my own study about how things actually work, I saw many flaws in her simplified explanation of weight loss. And Jillian hits on many of these issues in this 12-minute video. I am not making this video to belittle Jillian or to prove how smart I am. I would just like to expand the weight loss conversation to include more people that have tried the traditional calories in, calories out method and have struggled to see results. So let's get into the critique. All right, guys, welcome to my office. Literally, you are with me in my office. Uh, hopefully, I won't ramble on too long because I'm doing this on my iPhone. Nobody's going to be cutting this one up for me. Uh, I want to talk to you guys today about the mathematics of weight loss. So you guys hear me talk a lot about how weight loss is a simple science, right? And here is what I mean by that. I want you to understand that fat is simply stored energy, okay? And the calories, right, or if you're in another part of the world, the kilojoules in your food are units of energy, okay? If we eat more energy than we burn in a day, we will store that energy as fat. So really, if you look at something called the law of thermodynamics, it's a fancy way of saying that energy isn't created or destroyed in a vacuum. Now, if we're looking at calories as energy, right? They don't just magically appear in our bodies. We've got to eat too much. End of story. You got to eat too much, more than you're burning off in a day, and you will store that excess energy as fat, right? So in order to lose weight, you got to eat less you gotta move more. No. Okay, we made it to 1 minute and 25 seconds and we need to stop right here. The first thing that I would like to bring up is the idea of a simple science. When anyone starts off their conversation by describing the workings of the human body as a simple science, they are vastly underestimating the complexities of how the body works. I understand the need to simplify the explanation to get a point across, but saying weight loss and therefore how the body works is a simple science is almost an insult. One could argue that the human body is one of the most, if not the most, complex creation in the universe, and you can't single out weight loss as simple in something so complex. Next, she simplifies the notion that if we eat more than we burn, we will store the excess as fat. First, I would like to say, just because you eat something doesn't mean your body can digest, assimilate, and utilize that energy. A very simple example of this is corn. 
Most people at one time in their life have eaten corn and after a while have seen some remnants of said corn in their stool. Did your body store the excess energy in the corn in your stool as fat? No. Now how much other energy is passed through the stool, urine, and sweat that was consumed potentially even in excess and was not stored as fat? I understand that this amount of energy could be minuscule, but the fact that this can happen lessens the calories in, calories out argument. Next, she talks about the law of thermodynamics and says that this means energy is neither created nor destroyed in a vacuum. The last time I checked, the human body is not a vacuum. Now, I can agree for the most part that there has to be an excess of energy in compared to the energy expended for you to gain weight. But Jillian simplifies this by saying to do this, you have to eat too much. There are many things that can affect the metabolism and that can create an environment in the body in which fat storage increases. And by saying that this happens because you eat too much leaves out many important things. As an example, there are many medications on the market that are known to increase body fat. If you are eating, say, 1,500 calories and maintaining your weight, but then take one of these medications and continue to consume 1,500 calories, but start to gain weight, then you could technically say that you are eating too much energy in the form of food. But too much food was not the issue, the medication was. Even if the side effect of the medication causes you to eat more because it increases your hunger and decreases your satiety, thereby making the calories in, calories out technically true, it doesn't address the fact that the medication is the major player, and this kind of thinking usually places the blame on the person for eating too much. Now the quality of your food is a, is a separate conversation. That is a conversation that pertains to your health, okay? But when we're, we're just talking about stored energy, and we can have different debates about how quickly you'll burn calories based on the foods you eat, but ultimately, calories in, calories out. Okay, here Jillian claims that the quality of your food is a separate conversation from weight loss and that the quality of your food pertains to your health. This statement is crazy talk and I'm so glad that she says this because this whole idea of health is what we are talking about here on the Calorie Conundrum Podcast. If you are listening to this podcast, I am assuming that you are a somewhat intelligent person, so let me ask you a few questions. Which person is going to have a harder time losing weight? A person with a healthy thyroid? a person with an unhealthy thyroid. Which person is going to burn fat easier, a type 2 diabetic or a person with healthy blood sugar levels? Which person is going to be able to work out or follow a diet more consistently, a person with loss of energy or a person that can barely function because they are so tired? It doesn't take a genius to realize that your health directly affects your weight loss. Then Jillian goes on to say that we can have different debates about how quickly you'll burn calories based on the foods you eat. Don't you think the speed and efficiency of your weight loss is important? Not only does the food you consume affect your weight loss, it affects your health. And this is not addressed when you simplify your weight loss down to calories in, calories out. Now you might be saying, it doesn't work. I, I've counted calories for years, it, I've tried it, it doesn't work. Well, I'm gonna show you why you think that with a little bit of math, okay? So bear with me. Let's say, I'm gonna get out my pen and my paper here, okay? So let's say that I am Peggy Sue. I'm just gonna write on my FedEx envelope. Peggy Sue is 40 years old, right? And we go online, we Google BMR calculator. BMR is basal metabolic rate. Think of it like this. If Betty Sue sat, was that what we named her, Betty Sue? If she sat on the couch all day long and did absolutely nothing, right? How much energy would it take for her to breathe, for her hair to grow, for her organs to do their job and all that stuff, right? So 
go online. I want you to do that. And I want you to Google BMR calculator and you're going to enter some basic information, your age, your weight, your height. And we're going to take my, my little person and we'll say she's 40 years old. Uh, she's probably got a BMR maybe of 1400 calories. Let's be generous. Okay. So Betty Sue burns 1400 calories if she did nothing all day long, right? That's going to be her BMR. Now she doesn't do nothing all day long. Hopefully she's, she's doing something. We're not going to take into account fitness yet. So let's say there are four levels of activity. Level one, you're totally sedentary all day long. Okay. Level two, maybe you Example, you work at a clothing store and you're on your feet all day long, but you're not crazy physical. Level, level three, you're a trainer. You're demoing exercises, you're hoisting weights all day long, you're pretty darn physical. Level four, maybe you're a construction worker. You're super physical. So pick your level, level one, level two, level three, level four. For the sake of my example, I'm gonna say, hey, Betty Sue, she's a level two. So you're gonna take your level and you're gonna put a one point in front of it. So if she's a two, we're gonna say 1.2, okay? So 1.2, that's what Betty Sue's activity level is gonna be. This is gonna give us a rough idea of her AMR, what's called active metabolic rate. So how many calories she burns over the course of one day, right? So it's not gonna be that much. It's gonna bring her 1400 times 1.2, it's gonna bring her somewhere to just around 1700 calories in a day okay so betty sue's not working out she's burning 1700 calories in the course of her day by the way this is a pencil not a pen and it's not doing a great job of <clears throat> illustrating my math when i turn my fedex envelope around all right so here we go we've got amr active metabolic rate 1700 i wonder if that'll be backwards when you look at it so here Jillian is talking about finding out how many calories you should consume in a day. Now, I'm not totally against counting calories, and in episode 10 titled, The Three Times You May Want to Count Calories, I explain the same process Jillian is describing here. One problem I see with this is that it is just an estimation. I see so many people try to stick to a certain calorie amount because a coach or a calculator told them a certain amount, even though that amount isn't working. Also, when it comes to daily calorie expenditure, these numbers can often change. As an example, if you decide that you want to lose weight, and to do so, you're going to start running 3 miles every day, when you first start running, let's say you could burn 500 calories, but over time, your body becomes more and more efficient at running, and the same 3 miles burns fewer and fewer calories over time. Also, if you lose or gain weight, this too will affect the calories you burn. This is also true for active jobs. If you get a new job where your activity level increases, in the beginning you will burn many calories, but over time you will burn less and less as your body becomes more efficient. So like I said, this is an estimation and doesn't mean the resulting number will be right for you. And the problem I have with this method is when someone finds the calories they are supposed to consume in a day and follows the plan but fails to get results, the blame is almost always placed on the individual and not on the less than perfect plan. Now, a pound is 3,500 calories, okay? So we need to burn 3,500 calories more than we consume to get a pound off of our body, give or take, but it's pretty darn accurate. Here, Jillian brings up the old 3,500 calories equals one pound of fat argument. 
if you want to sound smart in a weight loss conversation, just throw out the old 3,500 calories equals one pound of fat comment and watch your humble followers bow to your intelligence. I personally believe that when the whole weight loss conversation is more completely understood, the idea of the 3,500 calories equals one pound of fat will be the laughing stock of the entire weight loss conversation. There are many things I don't like about this idea, but similar to the vacuum idea from before, if you put one pound of fat in a vacuum and burn it, and that results in a measurement of 3,500 calories of energy, how can you realistically compare a vacuum to the human body? Not accurate, okay? All right, now, I go on a diet. In this case, meaning I literally just restrict the amount of food I'm eating. And let's say I go bananas, and I go as low as 1,200 calories, okay? Which is pretty low. 1,200 calories, you're gonna be like, holy mother, I had friggin' air souffle for lunch, I had a speck of dust and a stem of broccoli for a snack. I mean, it, it's like, you're hungry. You, it's very low calories, okay? So we're gonna put her all the way down to 1,200, which is the absolute floor. It's virtually impossible to do. It's very hard to do. Okay, now, we put Betty Sue at 1,200 calories, okie dokie, and this is being generous, right? Let's see the average person. Actually, I'm gonna be more fair. I wanna see she's consuming 1,400 calories, because that's far more realistic, and that's gonna illustrate your struggle with calorie counting. Here Jillian admits that eating 1,200 calories is a low amount of calories. The funny thing about this is that many people are eating less than 1,200 calories every day. This is because they are following the calories in, calories out mentality without questioning the process and without figuring out the root cause of the weight loss problems. So let's say she's eating 1,400 calories a day, okay? 1,700 minus 1,400 means without exercise, she's only burning 300 calories in a day. At that rate, it will take her something around 10, 11, 12 days to lose one pound. Now, Betty Sue gets on the scale and she's like, what the hell? I'm not losing any weight. I don't understand. This isn't working. I'm starving. Here's what she's not acknowledging. Number one, she's no longer gaining weight. So that goes out the window. You forget that she's been gradually gaining weight from eating more than she's burning. That stopped. But she doesn't realize that, doesn't think about it, celebrating, she wants that scale to go down, right? So it's no longer going up. Not only is it no longer going up, it's very slowly going backwards, but not fast enough for her to see it. Let's say 10 days from now, Betty Sue goes to get on the scale, but she had a dinner that's high in sodium the night before, or it could be that time of the month, she's holding water. Not only does she not see the scale go down, she might see it go up a pound from water weight and she flips out. Calorie counting doesn't work, I can't lose weight, I give up, I'm over it, this goes on for a month, maybe she sees it go down one or two pounds and she is done, she is pissed. All right, here's the key. We've got to get the calories burned higher in order to accelerate her weight loss so she can see it and feel like it's working. Here, Jillian is discussing when people are not in a big enough calorie deficit and get discouraged when they don't see weight loss. She claims that Betty Sue has been slowly gaining weight over time, which could be true, but oftentimes we tend to end up at a body weight around what we call a set point. A set point is a weight our body tends to stay around even if you eat more or eat less. So basically the argument she's making is that Betty Sue can't see the weight loss because the deficit is too small 
and because the fluctuations in water over time are blurring the results. I would argue that this could be true, but what also could be true is that the body is adapting to the small changes in diet and exercise to maintain her set point weight, and this is causing Betty to stay around the same weight even though she is eating less and exercising more. How do you do that? Exercise. This is why weight loss in large part is going to be exercise because that's what's going to get your calories burned up. You can't starve the weight off. You can't. You'll do a ton of damage to your body. You got to eat a reasonable amount, right? Because we don't want to just go crazy with the food and counteract the exercise. But you got to do both. And predominantly to lose, it's going to be exercise. So, okay. Now we're going to work out for 30 minutes a day. And let's say she burns 10 calories a minute. She's going hard and she gets a little afterburn effect, right? Which is an elevated metabolic rate. Long story with regard to why that happens, but just trust me, it does. And we'll call it afterburn, the afterburn effect, all right? So she's now getting another four to 500 calories burned a day. So we've taken that number of 1,700 and we brought her to 2,300 calories she's burning in a day. She's eating 1,400 calories a day. That means she's burning 900 a day, right? Do the math. In three and a half days, she should lose one pound. So she's pretty darn close to two pounds a week. So you see, calorie counting does work. But in order for you to see the results at the rate you want, you have to exercise to boost your calories out. Here, Jillian is making the argument for exercise, and I would agree, if you are looking at weight loss as a simple equation of calories in versus calories out, then yes, exercising to burn calories may be a good plan. But if you are looking at the body as a holistic system, then just exercising more to lose weight could be a terrible idea. Just listen to episode 6 with Danny Johnson titled, The Challenges of Weight Loss, to hear an example of pushing the body too far with excessive exercise and calorie restriction and how that can be detrimental to the body. There's no way around this, guys. There's no type of food. There's no cutting out meat, cutting out this, cutting out that. We can have a conversation about that stuff with regard to health, right? We can debate what combination of macronutrients, which are protein carbs, are, are the healthiest, and what types of are better than others. And I promise you, it's really all calm down to common sense. Once again, Jillian brings up the idea of debating which foods are better for your health and claims that it all comes down to common sense. This was another slight trigger for me because if weight loss were all about common sense, we wouldn't have the obesity epidemic we do today. Now, the only hack, if you will, would be something like keto. And what's happening with keto is you're not starving the body of calories, right? You're not creating a calorie deficit, you're creating a carbohydrate deficit. So the body goes into a state of emergency, sorry, that's just, and it will rip through fat, your liver will, to create ketones, which will act as a type of fuel. Now, it works, you'll lose weight, and if you have any kind of insulin-related health condition, it will help right? Because you're not eating any carbs. So your insulin levels are very low. You can do the exact same thing 
by eating less and moving more, you can lose weight, you can reverse type 2 diabetes, you can reverse PCOS, all the insulin-related health conditions with none of the side effects. Here, Jillian brings up the elephant in the room, keto. I am not claiming her definition of keto is 100% correct, but when she said, and I quote, and what's happening with keto is you're not starving the body of calories, you're not creating a calorie deficit, you're creating a carbohydrate deficit, end quote, she completely refutes her own argument for weight loss. I don't care if you call it a state of emergency, magic, or a glitch in the matrix. If there is a flaw as big as this in your theory, you can't just continue recommending your simple science without at least addressing some of these other concerns. So the thing with keto is that you, you have to look at the entire picture. So how much is that taxing your liver? How much is it taxing your thyroid? How much is it taxing your kidneys? How is it changing the pH balance of your body? Because, I mean, when you're in a state of ketosis, you can become acidotic, right? Which means acetone, like at the nail salon, your body's making that stuff. It can affect your mood. Like there are a ton of studies that show, plus it's gonna be a diet that's real high in animal protein, right? Which is too much iron, and that creates more oxidative stress. It's bad for your telomeres. Like there's a host of other things that happen when you do that to your body. So yes, you'll you will lose weight. And yes, it will help with things like type two diabetes, but it creates a host of other issues nobody's talking about. Here, Jillian is using fear mongering to scare you away from the keto diet and towards her simple approach of calories in, calories out. I am no expert in the keto diet, but I am sure a few of them had aneurysms after hearing the warning she was giving. She claims that you can do the same exact thing as the keto diet by eating less and moving more. And I'm not saying this is impossible, but I'm sure it could be hotly debated by a keto expert. Then she asked a few valid questions about the keto diet, but all of those questions could also be asked about the calories in, calories out philosophy. How much is excess exercise taxing the liver, kidney? and adrenals. She follows this by stating there are a ton of studies but fails to clarify what the studies are about and then states that the keto diet is high in animal protein which is not true because in the keto diet you consume mostly fat not animal protein. So I'm gonna tell you let's let's stick with the simple science of weight loss right and let's say calories in calories out. Common sense with your food choices for your health Right, and that means like you know what common sense is. Like you know that maybe a turkey sandwich on whole grain bread with lettuce, tomato, maybe a piece of cheese, maybe not. If you're trying to save those calories because you're trying to lose weight, and some mustard is going to be a heck of a lot better than a drive-through. Like you know this stuff, okay? Common sense, and I promise you, it will work, guys. It will work. It's worked for me my entire adult life worked for everyone all the before and after transformations you see on my website for my app all that crap that's it's that's what they're doing they're eating smart they're moving more they're getting healthier once again Jillian refers to simple science and common sense and I hope you can tell by now that when it comes to weight loss this is not a simple science and your results aren't always because you are utilizing common sense I will say again as I have many times I am not totally against counting calories but in this short 12 minute video from a well-respected expert in the health and weight loss field, 
There are many reasons I believe counting calories not only has its own limitations, but in many cases is making the weight loss conversation even more complicated by not acknowledging the fact that when it comes to weight loss, it's about a lot more than calories in versus calories out. And with that said, this is Coach Strick saying thanks for listening. And remember, when calories in, calories out doesn't work, that, my friend, is a calorie conundrum. This podcast, including Coach Strick and guests, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects for the use of any information contained herein. Coach Strick and or guests may recommend products or services in which they have a direct or indirect financial interest. To find out more, please visit www.calorieconundrum.com.